You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. I think we should talk, Sarah. We're just going to go into this thing. I'm I have like, no idea should we talk? Happening. Is something happening? Is there? <laughs> that's like this. But can, let's just let's just break the fourth roll. Right Wait, I'll do, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Da 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 Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, this is Spain and Fitz, but I'm just going to break the fourth wall off the top here. There is nothing scarier than when you don't know if you're on the air. <laughs> you're like, should I go? I can't hear anything. Am I on? Is it ready? Is it time? Is something not working? Are you there? <laughs> One of the remarkable things for anyone that doesn't know this is Sarah and I are not usually in the same location, and sometimes we're mm-hmm. not in the same location as our producers. So, you know, mm-hmm. things can sometimes get a little hairy, and apparently, you know, it's just that poof. Got that little poof tonight chest is a hair werewolf. We yeah, starting tonight a little, yeah. is a werewolf. <laughs> ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. We're going to power on through because we got some breaking news today. Fitz, Robert Quinn traded from my beloved Chicago Bears to the Philadelphia Eagles. I got a lot of texts when my plane landed in New York today that said thank you, and I said, you know what? Normally I would lash at that. I would say, you know what? That's rude, but. I think this is a good move for both teams. And I came into this season fully expecting the Bears to be trash. So wins like Monday night against the Patriots are a bonus. And moves like this that set them up to be better going forward, that's what I want to see from them. I don't want my team to be delusional about what this season is. And they came in with no money not a lot of talent, and a whole lot to clean up for a new coach and a new GM. And this is one of the moves that gets you started in the direction of, okay, we're going to have some assets. They'll have the most cap space in the NFL next year by far, and a bunch of picks now, including what they got back for Robert Quinn. Well, and look, I like this a lot from Philadelphia's standpoint also. Like, it's rare that I look at it and say a trade can be a win for the teams involved, both teams, and for the player. And if you're Quinn, you go to somebody that right now has very realistic Super Bowl aspirations. You go to a, a defensive line where you can make an immediate contribution. The Eagles are aggressive in taking on the 18-ish million dollars that next year uh, you'll cost against the cap. And for somebody that's 31, 32 years old, you get the opportunity to make sure you're not wasting a year uh, in your career just getting paid when you could also get paid also try and be disruptive, and also try and mm-hmm. win a Super Bowl. So I feel like Philadelphia, because of the way their season has started, being aggressive makes a lot of sense. Chicago, moving out of this contract, makes a lot of sense. And for Quinn, he gets the opportunity to go somewhere where he might be able to be a special part of a special season. Yeah, I mean, I think it would obviously have hurt more midway through last season. He was breaking the single-season Bears sack record. He had 18 and a half statistically hasn't been as elite this year, but still has the skill set. And it's hard uh, in this system and with this particular team to dominate quite the same way. I think it'll be great to see what he can do with an Eagles team that's frankly stacked. And Chris Canty talked about that. This is a team that wasn't desperate at this spot, but knows how to add strength to an already strong position. Here he is on Canty and Carlin. I'm not sure we actually have the capability Fair. to play. Do you that want right to do now. an impression? So, do you think? Uh, I'll just, do you think you, you can? You know what? This is I can't do a Chris Candy impersonation. <laughs> wow, impersonation. That was, you sounded and, like and, a Muppet. Thank like, you so much. That's have what been most more of opposite. My, you know, I, nobody does Kermit D Frog better All right. than me. I will. I will. Way. I will basically paraphrase. You as the Eagles already have Taron Jackson, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. You've got. 
guys that you are adding him to that already have five and a half sacks on the season, you're going to put him in a position where there's going to be any number of dudes and scary dudes that the other team has to key in on, including you. And I think we're going to see statistically him start to round into the kind of shape we saw last year. He's still got it in him. He's still one of the top pass rushers that the league has. It's just a matter of, you know, who do you, who do you try to stop? And in this Eagles team, it's going to be hard to pick. Uh, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Sarah, I'm a little disappointed, not with the analysis you just gave, because it was spot on. <laughs> it was really smart. You didn't even try to give me a Chris Candy You're impression. Right. So You're I, right. like, I don't know how I feel about that. Cause well, I Fitz, I've spent a lifetime being made fun of for my low voice. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to make it intentionally so, uh, for your sake. Uh, sometimes when I wake up in the morning and I talk on a different floor, when I have a bunch of friends and we're all like in an Airbnb or something, people think there's a man in the house. It's just me. Uh, so I'm going to stay away from that impression, but yeah, bears trade Robert Quinn to the Eagles. Um, third time he's been traded over his 12 year NFL career. And this is the Eagles doing what the Eagles do. They find a strength and they just make it stronger. They don't settle. And this roster already, in my opinion, was the best and most well-rounded roster in the league. The questions were mostly about Jalen Hurts. Ain't nobody got many questions about him right now, Fitz. Yeah, no, Jalen Hurts has done everything you could possibly ask him to do. And I think at this point, if you're an Eagles fan, you are just sitting back with your feet up watching magic happen. Sometimes you just you feel like you're in one yeah. of those seasons where you're kissed by the gods, not just because you're winning, but because you're really good while you're doing it. That's what's happening in Philly. Feels like it. Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. Uh, tonight we're going to get an eye on two teams that do not feel like they're kissed by magic. Uh, kissed by the devil. If, if anything, and we've got the absolute worst defensive team in the league and the absolute worst offensive team in the league. Both of those games on ESPN, two teams desperate for a W the nets take on the bucks, seven thirty Eastern on ESPN. The Lakers take on the Nuggets, 10 Eastern on ESPN. Fitz, we talked a bit about these two teams last night and the struggles. I want to start by offering up a, a, a couple things that the Lakers are actually doing okay. Their defense has been good. They are only allowing 1.007 points per 100 possessions. That's only behind the Bucks and the Mavs. They also lead the league in steals with over 11 per game, right? So you're forcing turnovers, you're grabbing steals, you're allowing very few points from the restricted area, you're allowing the fewest in the league in the paint per game, and... Those are all good things. Unfortunately, you can't put the ball in the bucket. The offense is tragic. I mean, it's not just tragic. I mean, tragic is a way to describe it, but we're talking about some of the worst we've seen over the last 25 years. There's a great breakdown you guys should check out out on ESPN Plus by Kurt Goldsberry that goes into some of these numbers. And when you start looking at the shooting difficulty for the Lakers, it comes back to something that you and I talked about last year. When things started to go off the rails for L.A., the question was, how do you fix it? And every expert we talked to, if you injected truth serum in their veins, the answer you got was, well, you don't fix it and that's what we're seeing right now I mean they're stuck with the roster that can't shoot with an mm-hmm. aging superstar that doesn't have what he needs around him to really contend for a championship somebody else in AD that can't stay healthy and Russell Westbrook who at this point is sort of eye roll Russell Westbrook it's he's a, a shell of who he used to be so mm-hmm. I don't know what anybody expects from the Lakers I just expect the season to suck and that's what they're giving us night in and night out I, I don't think it's because they're not trying I think it's just a poorly built roster that it's incapable of doing what modern basketball has to do to win championships. 
By the way, I'm in a hotel in New York, so whenever you hear sirens, you can assume there are police coming to arrest the Lakers offense for uh, just <laughs> illegal awfulness. You mentioned Kirk Goldsberry. Some really good stats from him in that piece. One of the things he also posted on Twitter that I saw earlier today, LeBron James has assisted on more threes in his career than Steph Curry has made, and yet they have a team around him with no shooting. They, they're they just, I mean, it's the clear and obvious thing that you can't say enough times, which is you cannot have a team in today's NBA that, that doesn't have any shooters, particularly with the other rostered players that they want to depend on. And you mentioned Westbrook. It's not just that he's not any good right now. It's that the vibes could not be worse. He is a full-on pariah. Every interview is about baiting someone into ripping him. Every conversation with him is about, why don't you just quit or leave? And unfortunately, Adrian Wojnarowski, our ESPN NBA senior insider, was on Get Up saying that this is not an easy-to-solve situation. There will be something that happens, but it's not going to come in the way the Lakers would have liked. Oh, I don't yeah. have sound. I keep forgetting yeah. that we don't That's have okay. sound. But Woj basically said the best. The yeah, I mean, over here, I'm just like hoping that things are getting fixed while, oh, while we're I talking. Oh, can I do a Woj impression then? I yeah, mean, yeah, try it. Try it's it. not going to be any different than my Canty impression was. <laughs> uh, Westbrook's <laughs> either going to get benched or traded, and it's inevitable. I feel like I'm really nailing these you things. I don't know why it. we need anybody else. I'll just play all wow. the parts. Wow. Not only did you get the <laughs> point across, but there was so much analysis in there. You really, like really, you really told the story. I mean, um, you, you could have screamed Woj Bomb afterwards. I don't know. Woj Bomb. Okay. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask for an explosion sound, but I've learned now. Um, no, I think you're right. So he's not likely to play against the Nuggets tonight because of that hamstring. So that just forces him out of the lineup in a way that's beneficial to everyone. But the problem is Fitz, that, that he was in the lineup a, a, a fair amount in order to potentially sell him to another team. It's not helping. Right. So that's the problem is there was no team in the offseason that was going to give him the kind of money he was already guaranteed by his deal with the Lakers if he opted in. And now playing him to try to hope that they can move somebody into into picking him up isn't working either. It's going to it's going to be um, an ugly trade that they are going to have to eat. And again, the options for them to pick up anyone to fix this situation anytime soon are extremely limited. So you don't have an easy fix. You're just going to have to slog through. And this is their eighth 0-3 start in franchise history, and only the fourth time in LeBron's career his team has started that poorly. They missed the playoffs in all three of those seasons when his team started 0-3. There is time. That's what they're all preaching, that there's time to fix things. But unfortunately, um, you know, there's not a lot of reason to believe things will change drastically just because time passes, right? Like it's not, nothing's getting fixed because time is, they're not getting someone back from injury. They're not getting anybody that's unexpected. Um, not for a while, at least. No, you're, you're a thousand percent right, Sarah. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great pay and benefits? Go to progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Bundle today at progressive.com. All right, we're going to get, uh, we'll keep you updated on the NBA action, but we also got to get to some NFL news, which means it's time to keep up with the Joneses. We'll try to explain that next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. And uh, you guys can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. That's the way you can hang out with us, of course, at Spain and Fitz as we get you caught up in everything you need to know tonight. And Sarah, got a little bit of the keeping up with the Joneses going on because there's quarterback news all across the NFL. Let's start 
with the big news in New England, Mac Jones will be the starting quarterback for the Patriots this weekend. So uh, yesterday, apparently, it was too soon to name that. Obviously, they wanted to go back and take a look at the tape. Um, Belichick has looked at it now and decided that Mac Jones will be the starter. The question is, what's that mean? I mean, they're taking on a Jets team right now that we may every single week question whether or not they're any good, Sarah. But let's also be real. The Jets have a good record and they are beating teams across the across the board. So for you, for the Patriots, yeah. Mac Jones got a little pressure. It is. It is pressure because, you know, Zach Wilson and that offense are not the reason that the Jets have been performing well. So they've got a challenge ahead of them. And we have been dumbfounded by Bill Belichick's handling of this quarterback controversy. Obviously, Mac Jones comes in with experience. He comes in much more highly touted. He's a guy that people believed uh, that there wasn't a quarterback controversy for until Monday night. Bailey Zappi played better. Now I get that down the stretch, the Bears neutralized him as well but he came in and in the span of four minutes or so they had two touchdowns this was a tough decision to make and I think they're just reverting back to who they believe should be better not necessarily what they actually saw because I was pretty enthused by what I saw from Bailey Zappi yeah and this always becomes the weird part of a quarterback change too you got to ask yourself how many times can you go back and forth and mm. what's it do to everybody's confidence and what does each situation look like and we just we've insulated Bill Belichick as you and I've talked a lot over the last 24 hours from so many of these conversations in the past he's been the person that fearlessly decided to put Brady in even after Bledsoe got paid so I looked at this situation and thought going into the Monday night football game that you know you've got the one coach that doesn't care what status means he's going to put in the guy that will help him win but now I, I don't know that it's that simple anymore. So for not just for Belichick, but for what the crowds will expect in all of these games, like there's going to be a devil over the shoulder of both of these guys for the rest of the season when they play at home. 100%. And I think, again, maybe there was no way to stop this, but the back and forth already has caused the factions of fans. And that means getting booed, getting called for your replacement, et cetera within moments, within the first couple plays of that game against the Bears that weren't good. So it's not going to be easy for either guy. Going to be a lot easier for Bailey Zappi, though, because there's no expectations. You're a third-string guy that wasn't even going to play. Mac Jones, obviously, a lot more to lose there. Speaking of quarterback changes, one has also happened in New Orleans where Dennis Allen, the head coach of the Saints, has announced Andy Dalton will start at quarterback going forward. So even though Jameis participated fully in practice for the first time since week one, they're going to keep with Dalton because they liked his performance in relief of Watson over the last four games. So that means Andy Dalton is the starter against my beloved Raiders this weekend. I'm a little surprised just because there was some level of, oh, Jameis Winston was fixed, and you and I said coming in, maybe Sean <laughs> Payton was the sort of magic elixir that fixed him, and all of a sudden he didn't look fixed without Sean Payton, and now he's sitting on the bench. As you know, uh, beyond my personal feelings about Jameis Winston and his past and, and the way people tiptoe around talking about it, um, as a football player, I did not see consistent enough decision-making to believe in him as a starter in this league. It wasn't just the 30-for-30 30 30 season. It was what we saw before. He's got, I believe, more turnovers than any quarterback um, you know, over the course of his drafting until today. He, he's not somebody that makes good decisions. He offsets that with some really great plays, and he can be a dynamic passer and scorer, but he can give away games just as quickly. Now, Andy Dalton's not the answer. 
Um, if, you know, that, that's not the guy, you know, three interceptions against the Cardinals in addition to those, in addition to those four touchdowns, two of them, I think were back-to-back pick sixes on like back-to-back throws. Um, so, you know, I, I, I don't think that they're in a good spot with him either, but I think what they need to figure out is it's neither of them, right. And, and figure out that next year and whatever you do in this offseason is going to be the deciding factor on whether you're a team that can contend or not. A lot of people, Fitz, you recall, had a lot of belief in the Saints this year. You and I were not among them. Yeah, well, and it's just a reminder that sometimes you get so used to having a Hall of Fame coach and a Hall of Fame quarterback, and you think that things are going to just be fine when they leave. And yet again, they're not. Spain and Fitz going through some of the quarterback news across the NFL. And also, interesting developments as we discuss Daniel Jones. Mike Tannenbaum, ESPN NFL front office insider, was on Greeny with Mike Greenberg and had some interesting thoughts about what the Giants might be faced with given the way they're performing and what they have to deal with when it comes to Daniel Jones' contract. Check out what he said. Clearly, he's a great kid. He's working hard. And I'm sure if I'm John Mara, I'm really intrigued. Like, what does Daniel Jones guys look like in three years with Brian Dayball? Unfortunately for them, they're not going to have that luxury because if they tag Saquon Barkley and then they say, hey, we want to pay Daniel Jones reasonable, there's going to be some team. If Frank Reich survives, for example, gets one more shot at it, there's no number that they wouldn't pay Daniel Jones who would at least solidify the position from an athletic standpoint and an age standpoint. I just laugh at the I thought of Frank Wright that. getting another I, quarterback. Yeah, that's the thing that I do question is it's not just getting another shot, another quarterback, but really there's no number. I just don't know that that's the, the case anymore, especially not in Indy. Uh, I know that they know they need a quarterback. Um, I don't know if they believe that they're there if they've got one, right? Um, anymore, at least, based on the last couple go-rounds. Uh, I do think they've got a much tougher decision than what we expected when the season started, Fitz, with the franchise tags and the, and the multiple players they have to make decisions on. But a good problem to have, I guess, if Daniel Jones is making you really feel good about him going forward. Yeah, but it, it is a reminder when we think there is no price. I keep going back to the quarterbacks that we thought were going to be saviors this year and Russell Wilson, and so far that hasn't worked out. And Matt mm-hmm. Ryan is now sitting on the bench and – You just think Mm -hmm. about some of these conversations that we have, and we think that you can just go from one place, one environment, and suddenly replicate that success. Sarah, I just don't think it's that simple. Well, I will tell you, this offseason for sure has presented a lot of situations where there hasn't been success. Deshaun Watson obviously yet to be seen, but you've got, you know, like you said, Russell Wilson, Matt Ryan, Baker Mayfield. There's a whole lot of people having to figure out whether they should have stuck with what they got or whether they just needed to rebuild. You guys can chime in, be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper. The one fans deserve. Fans deserve some NBA talk with Tim Legler. We will do that next. Plus, we'll get his Halloween thoughts. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Jason Fitz is uh, the undisputed Halloween king around these parts. But other folks might tell you that their Halloween king at ESPN is none other than Tim Legler. He joins us now to talk hoops and Halloween. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, not a ESPN app, Sarah. You know, Sirius XM Channel 80. Let me tell you who says it's a community or it's a tie. <laughs> Losers. Losers accept a tie. You notice that Tim Legler would never just give up the crown that easily. Legs, thanks for the time. Tell us uh, what did you add to the Halloween display this year? 
Well, here's here's we got a couple of twelve foot uh, props out front: uh, skeleton, nice. pumpkin head, a werewolf. Uh, and here's the interesting thing about it this year: first year in the new community in Florida, so they had no idea what was blowing into their oh. neighborhood um, with all the small children that that live in that in that community. And so far, we kind of got a taste that most people play nicey nice with their decorations, not so much us. So it's it's a little bit terrorizing. Uh, is there content online that we can find? Because I need to see a 12-foot werewolf. Yeah, there will be. I, 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 literally, we got a late start this year. It's up. I'm actually traveling. I'm out of town. I'm in L.A. right now. But when I get back, I'm going to make sure I get you guys. We're going to get that stuff All online right. so people can see it. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing stuff. By the way, Legs, I cannot recommend enough. I got uh, this, this, this thing a few years ago that mounts that looks like it's crawling up your wall. So it's in my staircase. Just looks like it's free falling, falling, crawling up the wall. Really creeps the kids out when they come in for Halloween. So just, yeah. just you know, suggestion. If you haven't seen the levitating wall crawler, you should get that. Uh, you have I'll, seen... I will, I'll, be, I'll be on a lookout, man. You know, you're <laughs> like me. You're always trying to add to the uh, repertoire. So I'm looking. <laughs> it's a real sickness. I'm not going to lie. Uh, we're one week no, into the is. season. Uh, you've watched a ton of basketball already. What have you seen so far that's been horrifying? See how I did that? <laughs> horrifying, I would say, at the top of the list has got to be the roster construction around the Lakers for mm. me. People are going to harp on this three-point shooting thing as if this is some sort of a rough start and how do these guys start making shots. It might be, overall, collectively, the worst shooting profile roster I've ever seen in, in the NBA. There's just not a single pure shooter on the team, not one. And you think about it in a day and age when most teams are taking 35 to 43-point shots per night, and it's an enormous part of success in this league, the way it's built now, spread out as the floor is. Uh, that's probably the most horrifying thing that I've seen to this point. And, and I don't know that it's going to get better. I actually think the Lakers could start off 0-7 uh, out of the gate Oof. before they finally beat Utah uh, in about a week. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I don't see an out or an eject button for the Lakers. I think they're just going to have to suffer through what's going to be an ugly season. The Nets, on the other hand, Offense, you know, when their stars go off can be good, but defensively just terrible. Do you see that being a team that contends and fixes some of the issues to get at least a little more level than this start has been? Yeah, I think, you know, people are going to consistently fall into the trap that, oh, they got Katie and Kyrie, as long as those guys are healthy, you know, they're, they're going to give you a chance. And look, talent-wise, that's it's one of the most potent offensive combinations in the league. Yeah, that's probably true. They're going to win a lot of games because those guys are that good offensively. But you're hitting on the head, Sarah. And the other night against Memphis, I mean, that was a soft game defensively as you'll see a team play. And their best players went for 75 in that game, and they still lost. And, you know, the guy that they added to the mix that I know he knows has got a lot of offensive issues, and he's a long way from even being close to the player that he was in Philadelphia at his peak. But at least they thought Ben Simmons was going to be a massive difference maker defensively because he's 6'10", and he's, he's got great speed and length and lateral movement. He can guard just about anybody on the floor. He hasn't really made a dent in what they're doing defensively, and he has absolutely mm -hmm. no role offensively because mm -hmm. he just dribbles up the floor and immediately goes to dribble handoff with Katie or Kyrie, and he spends the rest of the possession getting out of the way. So they don't really have a big three, and he hasn't had the impact defensively. So to answer your question, the short answer for me is no. I do not put them in a category with the Bucks and Celtics. And, and for me – that's the cream of the crop in the East. All right. You just mentioned Memphis legs. And I, I mean, last year, I think a lot of us fell in love with watching Memphis play this year. 
it seems like they picked up right where they left off. What are they doing better, and can that actually propel them to the NBA Finals in your mind? I think the biggest thing for them, it's, it, it, there's a mentality around them now that last year was a nice surprise and a nice story, and now they're a team that expects to make a deep run in the West. And, and look, the West has – you could probably make an argument for five or six teams in the Western Conference to play in the Conference Finals you know, and make a legitimate debate around that. And they're in that mix. They think they're a team that can be on a shorter list than that. They consider themselves one of the best two or three teams in the West. I think that, for me, is the biggest difference. They didn't do much from a personnel standpoint. They just got one year uh, you know, closer to their goal, one more year of progression, of maturity, of a belief and a swagger and a confidence that they belong with these teams. And you know, when you have John Moran on your team, I think it just gives them an incredible amount of swagger that every night, they have a guy that's capable of being the best player on the floor. And that, that gives you tremendous confidence. So I think it's just the way they're carrying themselves. It's not a nice story anymore. There's a really good team, and this is a team that thinks their time is now. And why not now? Because I think it is somewhat up for grabs in the West. I mean, my team, I'm picking the Warriors uh, to repeat, but I think Memphis is one of those teams that absolutely can challenge them. And, and there's a handful of them. I, I counted 13 teams the other day mm. that I could make an argument could be in the conference finals in either of the two conferences. And I've never wow. gone into a season with that many teams that I felt like I could actually make a case how this could go their way. Tim Legler's with us here on Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, our ESPN NBA analyst. You can follow him at Legs ESPN. Another team we had a lot of fun watching down the stretch last year, sort of surprisingly, was the Pelicans. What do you expect from them, and what do you expect from Zion? This is my new team I'm in love with. I got a crush on the Pelicans. I'm not going to lie to you. So <laughs> we call them I, side I, pieces you know, around here. <laughs> <laughs> when I sit down every night to get my to get the slate of games out, you know, I always have. My, I don't really have a rooting interest, but I root for style of play because I want to enjoy the next two and a half hours. And I'm doing my job. I want it to at least be eye pleasing to me. It's something I think is really fun to watch. You know, it's been the Warriors for the most part, during the Steph Curry era, has been at the top of the list. Um, this team now is creeping into that category. I, I just They don't have any major flaws, and they have got great chemistry. And when you get Ingram, Zion, and McCollum out there together, to me, that's about as good a big three as you can find in the league. I, mean, I, I look at Denver, and you know they talk about Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. coming back, and if those guys are healthy with Jokic, yeah, that's your big three, and that's a team that some people think can get to the finals. And I'm saying, I don't know. If you're asking me today, without Jamal Murray being 100%, with Michael Porter Jr. never really finding that level of consistency to this point in his career, which big three are you taking? I mean, I think it might be New Orleans. You've got a 25-point wing scorer in Ingram at 6'10". You've got this freak in Zion Williamson who shoots 60%, um, you know, and 75% inside the paint. And then you've got a guy like C.J. McCollum, who is a big-time lead guard. And they just get got nice complimentary role players. So I actually think New Orleans can be a top four team in the Western Conference. Hmm. Wow. Tim Legler, who we're talking to on Spain and Fitz, you mentioned Milwaukee earlier. We don't really talk about Milwaukee because we just wait till the playoffs every single time. Is there pressure on the Bucks this year, considering the way last year ended in your mind? Yeah, and I think that's the best thing that could happen to them. And I think it's going to drive Giannis. It's going to drive that team. I think they – we're, we're disappointed the way it ended. Middleton is sitting on the sidelines, and they're not able to get that series against Boston. You think about this. Now, Boston went to the finals and gave the Warriors all they could handle, and the Bucks had a closeout game at home without Chris Middleton 
in that series against Boston. Now, give Boston credit. They, they played great in that game on the road. They got the win. They went home. They closed it out. But that's how we're talking about. This is you know, a matter of inches. You were splitting hairs here. Milwaukee could have been in the finals last year without Chris Middleton. That, so that's how close they are. And I think it really frustrated them. It frustrated Giannis. My prediction going into the season is Giannis Antetokounmpo will be the MVP of the league. I don't think he's done getting MVPs. And I think the Bucks represent the East in the finals. Tim Legler's with us. We started out with something spooky. I got to finish with something spooky. On your Twitter the other day, you posted about being on a flight where the uh, <laughs> the announcement came over the speaker where you needed to be told that there was a snake on the bleeping mm. plane. Tell us the story yeah, quickly. Yeah. yeah. How about it? Yeah, so I'm flying from Tampa to Newark, and we're it's a two-hour, two 40-minute flight. We're about maybe 15 minutes from touching down, and they didn't make an announcement over the PA system. Instead, I'm sitting in row three on the aisle across the row from me on the window, so basically seat 3 Sounds like first class, Tim. A man, yeah. a man <laughs> says, what the F was that? Like, pretty loud. And obviously got everybody's attention. We all kind of turned and looked over there, and the woman next to him said, what? He said, I just saw a snake slither by my foot. So you can imagine now picture picture a bunch of grown people, all not all, but most, basically taking their feet up onto their seat in the catcher's catcher like as if they were playing catcher in Major League Baseball. Feet up off the ground, squatting, everyone looking. No one actually courage, you know, had the courage to get on the floor and take a peek where this thing went. But it yeah. was clearly curled up somewhere under somebody's feet. Oh and my we flew God. the next fifteen minutes like that, landed Believe me, I got off the plane quickly, but here's what really freaked me out. As I go to leave the plane, I look down and realize my backpack was on the ground completely wide open. I had left it, like, unzipped. And now I'm thinking this thing is going with me to baggage claim and then potentially on the <laughs> seaport and checking into the hotel. Because I was so afraid to look in my bag that that thing oh. crawled into my bag. But, yeah. And it became a national story. I told my wife as soon as I got off the plane, and I was thinking, okay, yeah, it was whatever, funny little story. And next thing I know, it's it's like a headline story on the Washington Post the next day. Yeah. And I was on that flight in the same row, actually, that it happened. No. I'll tell you what. I saw the photo. I thought it was the offending snake, but it says it's just a stock image. I'm guessing the garner steak was a little smaller than the one they used, but whatever makes a good story. And snakes on a mother bleeping plane is always a good story. Tim, you always give us good stories, good insight. Thanks so much I'm for the time, and we look now. forward to those Halloween pictures. Anytime, anytime. Look forward to talking to you guys soon. Thanks, brother. Good stuff. At Legs ESPN, you can find that Washington Post story about the snake, as well as NBA insights. Uh, Coming up, is it possible that an NFL head coach is already on the hot seat? We'll talk about some toasty tushes coming up next on Spain and Fitz. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. There are very few things, reports, rumors around the NFL that, that shock me. Nothing surprises me anymore. But I did see one that made my jaw drop. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and you can hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. In fact, ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. It's easy to bundle your home and car insurance at Progressive.com. Uh, we got hey, look, it's that sound we were in. looking for an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> hey, can I guess what days? the headline was? Was it about a snake on a mother bleeping plane? 
it's just this is amazing. We got Marcus Spears <laughs> chiming in with us. Uh, the ghost I, of Marcus Spears from seven oh five. There is a a funny. I used to tour with a guy, Kenny Barnwell. Kenny was the best, a stagehand, and he would always try and figure out what was going on on our pedal boards, which are like the things you plug into uh, to make all of your electronics work. And there were some nights where things would go wrong, and the next day Kenny would be like, "Sorry, man, I looked through everything. It's just a gremlin." And that always worried me because if you can't find a gremlin, you don't know how to catch a gremlin. The gremlin That's could right. come back. So. That's that what sounds we're like have a snake tonight. on a plane. If you uh, don't know where it is, it could be right next to you. Yeah, well, we all know where Nathaniel Hackett is right now, but where will he be soon? That is a great, different question. How's transition. that for a professional self uh, Hackett <laughs> is obviously the uh, head coach of the Denver Broncos, but according to multiple rumors, and Dan Graziano alert, alluded to this on ESPN+, Plus, uh, it looks like there is at least some rumor flying that if they don't play better this week, it could be a make-or-break game for Hackett. That Hackett, even though we are only headed into week eight of his first year mm. as a head coach, could be on the hot seat if they don't play well against the Jags in London on Sunday. I, Sarah, I just can't buy it. It's too soon to fire a coach. Mm. Well, for one, first of all, that London part must especially sting because we know those games, things can get pretty weird because of travel and layovers and jet lag and everything else. So that's not a place that he wants his career to be hanging on an unpredictable game like that. I I think it's too soon. I think in general in sports, there is such a rush to, to move on to the next thing, to point a finger and blame someone only to recognize later that there were a lot of other issues. But this has been since week one, right? In-game situations were handled in boggling ways. Clock management was an issue. This is a team that's last in the NFL in points per game. And you've got a massive investment in Russell Wilson. And I don't think you make decisions now just to tell people at home, oh, it's this guy and not that guy. But there are plenty of leaders who make decisions like that, who say, okay, we put five years, $245 million into a guy, $165 million of that guaranteed, and he is playing terribly. Maybe if we fire the coach, it'll give him a spark, or we can at least buy a couple weeks where we blame it on someone else. The hard part about that conversation, though, is then you got to figure out what you're going to do differently in the hiring process. Because as mm. bad as Hackett has been, he must have been a great interview. Like, at some point, mm -hmm. the Broncos organization fell for it, and now he hasn't delivered. Why are they going to pick a better candidate next time? I mean, the, these are the things that make right. it so complicated. Well, but I do think you're right. I mean, and really, it's easier really to quick on that than Russ. Yeah, really quick on that. What's interesting is he was the offensive coordinator for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers for the last three seasons. And look at the dip they've taken. If you just tried to use the transitive property there, you'd say, oh, well, clearly they're missing Nathaniel Hackett in Green Bay. Right? Yeah. It's kind of wild. It, it, I'm just imagining Hackett. Hackett and Devontae both get shipped back to, to Green Bay this week and suddenly the <laughs> Packers win a Super Bowl. Like, that's my, my personal hell at this point. Uh, you know, but there is just sort of a, a level of patience to me for all of it because Hackett's a first-time head coach, and maybe everything's gone wrong, but I don't know that you can pull the rug out this quickly on this sort of experiment and expect a better result quickly. It does also surprise me that so many rumors have been that the Broncos are going to be at least looking at being sellers in the, the trade deadline, possibly moving some of their talented wide receivers because they're going to continue to try and recoup more draft picks for the future. Like, I don't know that I have a sense right now of what the Broncos are trying to accomplish. It's like they thought they'd be Super Bowl contenders. Now they're not, and now they're totally lost. 
Mm. Yeah, I mean, it is it is a situation that's unenviable in all in all fronts. And I, I think to your point about who do you then hire? How do you fix this situation, especially this early into the five years of Russ? If you figure out that he's not the guy, um, how much do you go chasing to fix the things around him and hope you can still make it work, sort of like they did when Peyton wasn't at his best? Um, but they're 23rd in yards per game, 20th in passing. They've got as many touchdown passes as the Bears. And I don't actually know if this was before Monday Night Football that I'm reading this. I think it's I think it's a story from today. So I think it's it's the same. But like you look at those statistics and you think they gotta change something, right? Yeah, well, even beloved Nuggets coach George Carl went to Twitter and said, I, quote, I always support coaches and would rarely advocate for their firing, but Hackett needs to be done in Denver with the Broncos. The search needs right. to begin immediately for someone who can connect with Wilson and make him a player again. I, I'm stunned. I'm, I'm shooketh that George We're Carl's out here going streams to even. <laughs> yeah, he's not just going to talk about an NBA coach. He's like, I don't often advocate for firing in another sport, but <laughs> going after this NBA. Meanwhile, at the same time, you've got a really interesting situation for the Lions where Dan Campbell gets his guys to play hard, has won people over with his unique speeches and proclamations and got a lot of love because of hard knocks. But as I said at the beginning of the season, that's only going to take you so far. That team is one and five. The Lions have to actually win at some point. It can't be moral victories of, well, our offense is scoring a lot up until last week, or we're hanging in there. Or, We've got some good players. You've, you need to show actual progress. The problem is, is I don't think that firing Campbell and starting again is the answer. I think you just have to sit in this mess for a while, and I think they're right to believe in him. Yeah, I, I think so, too. And you have to look at some point you're going to and, and anytime you get a vote of confidence, which they have given at this point, uh, they've said that his job, the jobs are safe no matter how they finish the season. As of a few hours ago, you never like the vote of confidence. We always joke about that. But if you're the Lions continuity at some point, you've got to give somebody enough chance to, to try and build something. And you have to realize you're building from the, the ground up. I think for for most organizations, you just need to take a deep breath and say, OK, what are we going to do and how are we going to get it done? I, I know sometimes change helps. Look at the Vikings playing incredibly well this year compared to what we thought. But I don't know that change would be the answer for the Lions. Yeah, look at the look at the Raiders. It doesn't always work. Oh, too soon, Sarah. It's just too soon. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm sitting over here having a fine old time, not not throwing any shade. Yeah, they didn't the, really have the, a choice either, to be fair. Uh, ESPN <laughs> Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Easy to bundle your home and car insurance at progressive.com. Uh, we're gonna continue this argument, but are the Patriots making the right decision going back to Mac Jones? We'll talk to an expert next, Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz the podcast.